Hey everyone, I'm super blessed and excited to be starting this next podcast episode. Um, Last episode we were talking about unsung heroes, the generous heroes, and how we should be willing to give more than what we're comfortable with. And this week we'll start off with a few questions to think about. But before you keep on listening, pause this podcast to get your Bibles, your highlighters, and some paper and pencil to take notes. So let's quickly pray before we begin. Um, Lord God, I want to thank you for this awesome lesson that I learned. And I hope that there will be no distractions for this episode. And for you to reach out to the people who need to hear this. And that can change people's hearts, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Alright, so let's uh, begin with these questions. Do you think the prices that we pay for food are too high, too low, or about right? And why do you think so? So that's the question I want you to answer on your own. Um, I'm going to answer the questions too, by the way. So honestly, I think um, where I live and the amount of money I get paid, it's uh, between just right and maybe a bit high. But it's not too high where it's going to be a problem. Um, Your answer might be different, though, depending on where you live or how much you or your parents and guardians might be making. Um, You can also write down these questions and answers that you came up with. Um, The next question is, how would people be affected if food prices had they just go up um, 10 times higher and the supply of food was 10 times lower? Um, If you can't imagine... If you can't imagine how people would be affected by these prices, um, then just imagine if the toilet paper supply was 10 times lower because of what's been going on lately. Um, So where I live, a 24-pack of the cheapest toilet paper is $9. So imagine if now it's $90 toilet paper and people are still buying it just as much. There's barely any... Um, But now imagine that with food, all types of food, whatever fast food restaurant you go to or for groceries, um, you have to go early in the morning because that's when the food is barely in stock, but it's 10 times higher than normal, the price. And to make it more clear um, where I'm living, every visit to the grocery store, my mom spends about $100 on just food. And she goes to the grocery store two times a week to feed a family of four, including yourself. Um, she would have to spend $1,000 every time she goes to the grocery store if the price of food was 10 times higher. Um, my guess on how people would be affected is, well, people would probably be fighting for food. More people wouldn't have enough money. They'd be losing money fast. It would be such a hard time to live in. Um, but let's move on to the next question. How much of the food you have today would you be willing to give to others who have less? I would probably just give enough for a person to be satisfied for the day if somebody had uh, asked me for food, right? And as long as I have food too, right? So today we're going to learn three things. That God is aware of what we're going through and he is planning our rescue. The second thing is why believers 
must never lose the desire to help others. And the third point is the fact that God can be trusted to fulfill his word. Um, Before we read our Bibles, I want you to think under what circumstances would you consider doing these things? Under what circumstance would you eat grasshoppers? Under what circumstance would you drink water from a mud puddle? What if... Um, what about running into a burning building? Under what circumstance? Would you run in if somebody was screaming for help? Would you run in if it was only a family member that you loved? Or what circumstance? Think about what would it take for you to do some of these things. Um, what about jumping from an airplane? For me, um, jumping from an airplane, it would probably be if I found out the airplane's gonna explode or something. <laughs> I wouldn't just jump out for no reason. Um, what about considering to stitch your own leg with a sewing kit? Or what about um, marching unarmed into an enemy military camp? Well, of course, if it was me, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> under any circumstance because I'll get shot or killed. Um, The reason why I'm asking these questions though is because desperation sometimes leads people to do things they probably wouldn't ever want to do. And that's what four men did today in this lesson. So we're going to go to our Bibles in 2 Kings chapter 6. Verses 24 and 25 to give us uh, a little context about what's going to be going on here. What's going on? Let's read it. Sometime later. Oh, and sorry if I mispronounced the words. Ben-Hadad, a king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. Okay, we'll stop right there. Um, Let me explain what's going on a little bit more. The Arameans, um, they had besieged Samaria, like the Bible says. Samaria is the capital of Israel. And the Arameans had cut off their food and other supplies. And because of this, the prices for goods that people wouldn't normally eat, like donkey heads, were super high priced. That's why I had asked a question earlier. What would you do if supply was 10 times lower for food and prices were 10 times higher? Um, So we can kind of get a feeling on how they were feeling. We can try to step into their shoes. But now we're going to go to chapter 7. And it's going to be verses 1 through 8 right now. And we're going to be in 2 Kings. Just this chapter. And it says, Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of flour will sell for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the gate. 
They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. And we'll stop right there. So in the capital of Israel, Samaria, the prophet Elisha announced that the famine would end the very next day. Um, one of the king's officers questioned whether God himself could accomplish such a thing. And Elisha told the officer that he would see the food that will end the famine, but he wouldn't be able to eat any of it. Um, outside the walls of the city, four lepers decided to surrender at the enemy camp, but instead they found out to their surprise that it was abandoned. God had actually scared the Arameans the night before and had caused them to run away. The four lepers ate, drank, and they plundered two of the tents. And really quickly, the biblical definition of plunder is to take everything that's found, normally after a battle, but sometimes it, it, it was still viewed as an act of war, not just something that happens after wars. Um, for example, armies in the Middle East, they would take all the valuables, all gold, silver, bronze, all the animals that were left too as well, and even women and children. They would do that. Um, back to the lesson though. Why were the four lepers willing to risk their lives to go back to the enemy camp? Well, the Bible says that they were willing to die because there was just such a lack of food in the city or outside the gates. And um, they, were, they were risking their lives, but maybe they would only be captured and maybe even be given food if they risked their lives to go to the enemy. Um, their most risky option was actually what had the most hope for them. Um, now, I want us to um, name some things that people place their hope in today. Um, so this is where we use our pencils and paper to write down a list on your notebook of things that you place or people place their hope in today. Some answers could be that people place their hope on money. Okay, I know I do put my hope on the people in charge of running the country because uh, they're the ones in charge. They have more power and they can handle, they might be able to handle bigger problems than what I can handle. Um, some people place their hope on their talents to hopefully land them a job and make money to pay the bills. And other things that people place their hope could maybe be in relationships that it will work out or yeah on people um another example could be the police or the firefighters the army so i want you to write down a list um not just what i said but if you can think of any of your own 
to write down a list. Um, and whenever we finish, I'm going to ask another question. What problems can resi- result from putting hope in the wrong things? What problems can result from putting hope in the wrong things? Well, there's a chance we might be disappointed when we place our hope on things that aren't perfect. We're also basically setting ourselves up for failure. How can these things fail? Well, money can be lost. For example, if we're hoping the gambling can net us a few million dollars or the lottery, um, the police might not get there on time. Um, I know that from, you know, that has happened. Um, maybe the relationship you were hoping for ended or you hope that you can win. Oh yes, I already said by gambling and you actually lose more than you gain. If you placed hope on anything else that I mentioned, think about how it can fail because nobody is perfect. Um, in what should believers place their hope though? In what should believers place their hope? We should hope in Jesus and his promise for eternal life. But we also go through difficulties, even as believers, and it can leave us feeling hopeless. As believers, we know, though, that God is always working in, through, and even in spite of our circumstances to bring his will. Yes, he allows us to encounter problems, but God doesn't expect us to face them alone which is a super awesome thing. It makes me feel assured. I feel like I can get through what I'm going through. Um, Next question, how did God use the leper's difficult situation for good? Because in the end, their only choices were to die, but their desperation made them willing to take the risk they probably wouldn't have normally taken. So we normally look at small, I'm sorry, we normally look at circumstances from a small picture, a limited human picture, but God sees the bigger picture. When we trust him and step out on faith, he is able to change our perspectives and our bad circumstances as well. And what I love so much about this is that the lepers didn't know about the prophecy that Elijah had said to the king because they were um, outside the city walls. These lepers were outcasts, and we'll get to that later. But for right now, we're gonna move on to the next point, which is success and sharing. So we're gonna go back to 2 Kings. We're already there, chapter seven, and we're gonna read on to verse nine through 11. Okay, so then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, the punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went into the Aramean camp and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys, and the tents left just as they were. The gatekeepers, they shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night. Oh, I'm sorry. I went too far. We stop at the palace. Okay. 
So the four lepers realized that they should share the great news with the king and the starving people of Samaria. So they returned to the city gates and they informed the gatekeeper. And word soon spread to the king's palace. Okay, before we go on any further, um, really quickly, I want us to close our eyes and imagine I'm in a room with you and you're blindfolded. And it shouldn't be that hard to imagine you're blindfolded because your eyes are closed. Okay, and we're going to have a taste test. I'm going to let you taste four clean cut fruits that I've prepared just for you. So imagine the first fruit you're going to taste. It's a sour taste. So sour, it's a lemon. It's so sour, you weren't expecting me to give you such a sour lemon. And now you're making a face because of just how sour it is. But we're not done yet, we still have three fruits and we're still gonna move on to the next fruit. The next fruit I let you taste will be also sour, it's a lime. Are you serious, another sour fruit? I'm having so much fun seeing your face. And I'm even gonna take a picture or two while you're blindfolded, but we'll move on to the next fruit. And the next fruit is grapefruit. <laughs> you taste the disgusting grapefruit, and I'm just having so much fun with this. And we're gonna go on to the next fruit, the last fruit, and just get it over with. The last fruit is a sweet orange, juicy and sweet. And now it's your turn though to blindfold me and you get to choose one, just one out of the four fruits I give you, or I gave you already. So after I give you the lemon, we can take our blindfolds off. After I give you the lemon, did you want to taste, would you have wanted to taste the second fruit? Why or why not? I want you to think about these things. Um, write them down, these questions, and write down your own answers. Did you expect the next fruit to be sour? And you can explain also in your notes. When it was your turn to choose a fruit, what did you want to choose right away? Was it something sour or something sweet to get revenge? And why? And if you did choose something sour, well, joke's on you, because I love sour things. But the reason for this activity is because sometimes People lose hope after repeated bad experiences. They may also lose the desire to do good to others. Like if you wanted to choose a sour fruit to get me back. Our sinful nature though tells us to look out for ourselves. But God has a different plan for us. He wants us to consider the needs of others, not just our own. I can definitely relate to what I've been teaching in this lesson. Anyone else who might have had a stressful job, they might also feel the same way. And I want to tell you personally that you're not alone. Don't stop doing good to others. Even if there are some that might hate you for it or get jealous or want to lower your reputation. And just know that I'm praying for you. It would honestly better, it would honestly be better to quit your job than to lose hope and maybe even your relationship with God. Um, I know that's easier said than done for those who can't quit their jobs, but I'm praying God has um, that that God has you there for a good reason, and that He makes a path for you, whatever choice you take. Um, but back to the Bible passage and the questions. 
How did the lepers react to this discovery from what we've read in the Bible passage? Well, we know they actually informed the king. It was after they ate and drank and hid some stuff, though. Um, would your actions be similar or would they have been different if you were that leper? And why? If I were in their shoes, I probably would have done the same thing. Like, I mean, I would have been starving. So, because I, I'm a leper, I have nothing. Um, they were outside the city walls because they were quarantined away from society. Because back then, leprosy was a very terrible disease that could easily spread and it was really deadly. Um, that's why I'm actually surprised. I'm kind of surprised that they even told the king of their of the the food, the the resources there. I don't think most other people would have. Um, yeah, some some of you guys might have not even wanted to tell the king, and some of you guys might not have even um, hid anything either. You guys might have been uncomfortable with that thought. Um, yeah, me too. I probably well I. If I'm going to be honest, I probably would take an extra, some extra clothing that I might need. These guys, these four were, were, they almost had basically nothing. Um, but that's something that I want you to think about. I mean, would you want to share your discovery with a city that isolated you outside their gates? That thought of you as um, a thing more than a person because you're, you have disease. And nobody wants to be even a few feet from you. But the final question for this is, do you think these four lepers were heroes? Why or why not? It could be considered heroic to share the news with the king and the rest of the city. Even though they did it out of fear from punishment, like in verse 9 it says, they still seem to be motivated by a sense of decency. They knew that keeping the news for themselves wouldn't be right, and they chose to help end the suffering inside the city by telling them food was available and the enemy had all ran away. So the next question is, what makes a person a hero? In what ordinary ways can normal people be heroes? Well, heroes are normal people that are willing to put selfish desires aside to do what's right. Simply taking responsibility, acting with kindness, or just being a good example, people who look up to you, will look up to you. I remember once on the news that I had seen a guy, he was called a hero because he climbed up a wall and he saved a baby that was about to fall off a three-story building. And he told the news reporter that he wasn't a hero because everyone was calling him one. But he actually was, really, he was, even if he didn't think so. Because, well, he did what I answered. He, he did what it means to be a hero, which is to put yourself as desires, just to do what's right. Most people were just looking to see if the baby would f fall or if the police would come. But this man acted right away in this desperate situation. Um, so let's move on and let's read 2 Kings um chapter 7 we're still in chapter 7 and this time we're gonna read verses 12 through 20 we're gonna read on to finish this this passage so the king got up in the night and said to his officers 
I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving. So they have left the camp to hide in the countryside thinking they will surely come out and then we will take them alive and get into the city. One of the officers answered, have some men take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their plight will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Yes, they will only be like all these Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to find out what happened. So they selected two chariots with their horses and the king sent them after the Aramean army. He commanded the, the drivers, go and find out what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan and they found the whole road strewn with the clothing and equipment the Arameans had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. So a sea of flour sold for a shekel and two seas of barley sold for a shekel, as the Lord had said. Now the king had put the officer on whose arm he leaned in charge of the gate. And the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died, just as the man of God had foretold when the king came down to his house. It happened as the man of God had said to the king, About this time tomorrow a sea of flour will sell for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer had said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? The man of God had replied, You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. And that is exactly what happened to him. For the people trampled him in the gateway and he died. Whoa, that's crazy. Um, so let me explain what goes on. Let's summarize. At first the king thought it was a trap. He sent some people to check. Uh, when it was confirmed that they were telling the truth, the king let all the people just go after the plunder. And the official had doubted Eli the official who doubted Elisha's words, he was trampled to death, just like the prophet had foretold that he would see the food, but he would not be able to eat any of it. So why do you think the king didn't believe the news at first? And what convinced him? Why do you think the king didn't believe the news? The great news that there was food outside. Well, it sounded too good to be true. He, this king had a t terrible experiences during the war that caused him to have a hard time accepting the incredible turn of events. He was the king who kept tasting sour fruit over and over and over and over, and it was so horrible for him. It was just nothing but bad news after bad news. And suddenly, a miracle happens and he doesn't believe it. He wouldn't believe it until it was confirmed by people he trusted. The next question is, why do you think today God's... I'm sorry. Um, why do you think people today doubt God's good news of salvation? What could convince to at least investigate those claims of Christianity? Many people doubt God's word because they believe it's outdated or the result of human efforts. Other people believe we have harsh and narrow-minded views. They might be more willing to investigate the claims of Christ if his followers demonstrated true compassion though. If unbelievers have the opportunity to get to know and trust those who claim to be Christians, 
they might be willing to trust Christ for themselves, just like the king who trusted his loyal officials. Um, and just to let you guys know, doubt is not all bad, okay? What I mean by that, though, is yes, doubt is bad, Like, but it's good to question. It's good to evaluate and it's good to investigate things that you aren't familiar with, that you might not know about. Like if I ask, why does God command even poor people to give? Well, you can actually find that answer on my first episode, which is called Generous Heroes. Um, but back to the lesson. God doesn't expect you to accept everything with blind faith which is why he actually gives us the Bible and he has proven himself faithful over and over time. But if we doubt too too much, um, we may indicate that we've lost hope and we fail to understand God's character. We must never refuse to believe God when he gives us so many reasons to trust in him. And finally, to the end of the lesson, I want you to ask, Maybe your parents or a Christian you might know. And I want you to ask them about the times when they or someone they know um, have placed their hope in God while they faced a hard circumstance that human solutions couldn't fix. Okay? I want you to do that. And what happened? And how was it? How was it fixed? Nothing is too big or too small for God. All of our hurt, all of our needs and concerns are important to God because we matter to Him. So as we end in prayer, I want you to please ask God to help you. Um, When you're going to go through a bad situation and you feel like it's just getting worse, there's no hope, you've tried everything, or if you're in need of more hope for God to refill you and be with you every step of the way. Um, This ends the lesson, but of course we're going to pray. But I want you to think about those things. So let's bow our head and pray. We thank you, Lord, for this lesson of what people will do just for desperation, Lord. And we thank you for showing us this Bible lesson because we learned, Lord, I learned, Lord, that you make good out of any bad situation, Lord. You make miracles happen, even when we lose hope in the worst circumstances, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for giving us reasons, so many reasons to trust you and to keep on having faith, even if we don't understand everything, Lord, that you continue to guide us and even show us so that we can understand, at least, Lord. And if not that, then to help us, Lord, and refill us with hope. Just be with us, Lord, at least. In your holy name we pray. Amen. That's it for the lesson. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope you guys learned something. Something that could hopefully help you. And I just really want to say, like, have hope if you're going through something. And God knows what you're going through. And the next lesson will also be 
our last lesson on unsung heroes.